This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Welcome to the show, Brittany and Apollo. (laughs) (laughs) We will have a two guests on this show because Apollo is probably going to keep jumping into the screen to say hello. And that's okay. That's okay. And welcome to the show, Brittany, officially now. Um, What's your queen date? May 23rd, 2021. Okay, cool. So you got about like six, seven months coming up on? Six months. I hit six months in November. Yeah. Now, is this the most time you've ever had queen? Uh, No, because I was pregnant before. So I did stop drinking for that. Um, probably about 10 months during that time. Cause I had stopped prior to getting pregnant because the dad at the time, before I knew I was pregnant, told me I had a drinking problem and he wanted me to stop for a little bit. And I'm very impressionable in relationships. So. Which, it, which that's a good thing. It seems that was a good thing that you're like, okay, I'll, yeah. I, maybe I should stop. And then, you know, you stopped and then you got healthier and then you got pregnant. You know, and then it wasn't a, it wasn't like a hellish pregnancy, I'm sure. Like, cause some people, they have to battle like trying to detox, you know, to be able to have a healthy pregnancy. And it's sometimes more unhealthy to detox, you know, so it's a good thing that you stopped when you stopped. Now, um, you said the way you said that makes me think that you guys aren't together anymore. No, God, no, he's good. (laughs) (laughs) He had he had a good good intentions, but you know good intentions for you with quitting drinking. But obviously there was other things going on there then. Yeah, yeah, he's a good dad. At least he's in his son's life. So that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So you were drinking. Was it alcohol your biggest downfall? Alcohol was yeah where it all started. It started in college. Um, growing Late bloomer. up. Yeah. Yeah. Growing up, my parents didn't give me much freedom. So when I got to college, I was like, oh, my God, I can do whatever I want. You were that girl. I knew that. you were yeah. like, like that. You couldn't do shit when you were in high school. Right. You were like under lock. Where did you grow up? You don't mind me asking. Uh, in Virginia. Virginia. OK, so you're in Virginia and you're are you the oldest, youngest only? I am the oldest and I was the only until I was 15. So, so they really didn't know what to do. Like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because you're the oldest. It's not like they had other children. So I remember my parents were really strict with me. And then I broke all the rules because they were so strict with me. And then my brother and my sister, they were like more and more lax with them. Like they, you know, I wasn't allowed to do shit. So I did everything right. And then so they were like, they get to my brother three years later because <laughs> he's three years younger. And they're like, you can drink, but only in the basement when you're having your friends sleep over 
and it's all safe. And then they get to my sister, and it's like, you can have big parties just as long as we're collecting keys, you know, because yeah. they just knew it was going to happen. They just knew, well, well, look what happened to JD when we pushed back. Then he rebelled. So yeah. they, you know, they learn. The parents, they do learn. Um, I'll give them credit because back in the day, there wasn't Google to find out how to raise us. You know, I mean, oh. I, have a, I have a seven-year-old now, and I'm constantly Googling shit. My parents couldn't do that for me. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, I give them a break on that. So, yeah, but the, the only problem is you get the you get to college, and then it's, like, off to the races. Where did you go? I went to VCU, but I just majored in drinking. I never went to classes. <laughs> yeah, I used to go down to JMU and hang out. Yeah. I had, I had a friend. That's why, because Virginia, that's why I was just curious. Um, but I used to, I, I'm from Jersey and I would drive down the JMU and, you know, party down the party down James Madison. And cause I was a big drinker. That was like until 22, that's when I discovered pills, but alcohol was my baby from 11 to 21, 22 years old. Yeah. You know, so now were you living on campus? I was, um, I went there for two years. I don't know why. Cause I kept getting apps. And, like, my first, after the first half, I was under academic suspension or whatever it is. And then I got it the second time. And then I got the, no, it was warning or something. And then the third time, it was, like, suspension. If I, like, failed again, then I would be kicked out. But my parents kept letting me go. I don't know (laughs) why. Well, like I said, they're just holding out for the best. They just want to see their daughter go to school and, you know, maybe she'll figure it out this semester and she'll figure it out. Yeah, and I was an honor roll student in high school, so I guess maybe they thought I would turn it around. (laughs) Yeah, but the problem, it's, you know, it's that freedom of all of a sudden, you know, you're an honor roll student when you're under lock and key and mom's like, you're not leaving the kitchen table until your homework's done. Yeah. You know, that's going to make an honor roll student. But when you're in college making your own rules and your mom's not telling you to sit down and do your homework and read your book, it's on. <laughs> and apparently that's what you felt like. It's like, it's on. Like, I am going to, like, were you going into college ready to let loose also? Or was it no, like? I think I, like, had good intentions. But the, I think a lot of the issues came from I didn't know what I wanted to be when I got older. So, like, I didn't really have like anything set or like a drive, you know, and I went to my first party and I kind of just went downhill from there. Like I ended up just every day drinking until the morning time and then waking up in the afternoon to get ready to go out and drink again. (laughs) Yep. That sounds about right. That sounds like college. And, but the other thing is too, it also sounds like the person that's discovering alcohol for the first time really you know, yeah. when you're when you're first discovering that, you want to see, well, what does this liquor make me do? What does this beer make me do? What yeah. does this wine make me do? And <laughs> then you're doing all these different concoctions, and you're just getting fucking blacked out all the time because you're mixing all these different things because you're curious. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> that was a fortune. That was fortunate for me that I tried all my things of drinking in high school because by the time I'm 21 and and I can be more dangerous with money because I had more money, I. I was over alcohol at that point, you know, so that was the difference. So now you get kicked out of school eventually. You're just tired of faking it. And you just, um, honestly, I try to kill myself and I left on, uh, uh, what is it? Medical leave or. Yeah. Was that, that now, can we talk about that? Was it drinking? 
like yeah. where you drink drinking heavily. Mm-hmm. Now, can I ask about what was going on? Because like I've dealt with, like, um, well, I have a history of depression, and I don't know, like nothing in particular happened. It just I think I felt very isolated because you know when you start drinking, you are like forming friends, but they're not real friends, and um, just felt very isolated. And I've always felt that way my whole life. And oh, yeah. I wasn't using medication like I had been in high school when my parents were making me take my antidepressants. And I don't know, I was out drinking with friends and I went back to my apartment and I took like a whole bottle of uh, Advil, I think. No, Tylenol. And um, I ended up calling my one of my friends and telling them what I did and they called 911. And I ended up in the hospital and getting charcoal, which was fun. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, I've I've had some inducing <laughs> when I was 16 from alcohol poisoning. Yeah. And I got sent to the hospital because I drank a fifth of Bacardi in 10 minutes. Ew. You're not supposed to drink it that fast, they said. Yeah. That's <laughs> shocking. And at 16, not at all, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> So, you know, that's that's a big scare. Now, now your parents are like, all right, now you need some time out of school, like, and figure it out because that was dangerous. Um, I think we both came to that conclusion. I would have got kicked out that um, semester anyways, because that was my last chance with the school. And then I ended you've up... been on academic probation since like yeah. day one, basically. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then I ended up in the psych ward for a little over a week, too, because the hospital, you know, a lot of hospitals make you go to it if you try to commit suicide. Yeah, usually yeah. it's a mandatory three day hold dependent on the state, yeah. sometimes up to a week, dependent on how serious it was or, you know, the parents recommendation or doctor's recommendation everywhere is going to be a little bit different you know they even call it different things like they have different codes for it everywhere like in california i remember it was like 5150 and like in pa i forget what it's called but it's some kind of other number i forget what it is you know so like everywhere is something different but it's the same thing it's it's a hold um so you get out of that you're like what 20 years old now 21 years old Uh, yeah let's see 18 yeah, 20. Yeah, I was 20. Now, what happens when did you go back to live with your parents after that? Yeah. Were they, at, were they as strict as they were when you were in high school, or did they give you more space and say at this point they had like a six-year-old running around and your uh, college-age girl? Did they give you more space? Um, yeah, they just their one rule was if I'm out past my curfew that I can't come home. So I ended up, you know staying at a lot of places i probably shouldn't have but (laughs) it happens yeah now um how fast does the drinking get out of hand again is the real question oh almost instantly i became a flight attendant so (laughs) yeah okay i have a really good friend that's a flight attendant um if she's listening i met her on a flight coming back from rehab um she was taxiing um, which most people don't know that term. <laughs> she was taking a flight from Arizona to Philly so that she could go to work on a flight from Philly to Boston. You, you know yeah. how that goes, where you take a flight to another city to hop on the flight to work. So yeah. she was just getting on any open, open seat that she could, and it happened to be next to me. And we became good friends. Her brother had just overdosed. Oh, 
and I was coming back from rehab. So we had a nice six hour talk from, you know, Arizona to Philly and we're still good friends to this day. I just talked to her the other day and she's still a flight attendant for Southwest airlines. And I've always like loved that profession. I almost wrote a story. Like I, I write like scripts and I almost wrote a screenplay about a flight attendant that would like find a, have romance, like find love in one city and always that would be where she flew to all the time, you know, with her miles or whatever. So how, how did you like being a flight attendant? I mean, I loved it. It was a big party, honestly. I like, I flew for a smaller airline. Um, so we didn't do like huge flights. We just flew, um, in the Northeast. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. We went up to New York a lot and stuff and I was only 20 and all the flight, I, all the pilots were younger too. And I was the only flight attendant on the flights. That's how small our plane was. And pretty much every night was drinking with the pilots and making bad choices with the pilot. <laughs> well, and because you, it doesn't sound like you had been to some of these cities before either. So it's like your first time visiting these cities, right? Oh yeah. But I never, I never did the sightseeing thing. It was basically like we would get there on the last flight of the night and then we would drink and because I was a flight attendant I would and I was still only 20 so I'd have my friend buy me vodka and I would get a big bottle of water and fill it with the vodka and as a flight attendant you can go through with as much liquid as you want and so I would bring a big bottle of vodka and then like you know from the um airplane take like cranberry juice and whatnot and seltzer and we would drink with that or we some like we would fly to West Virginia and that bar didn't ID and we would go to that bar so like yeah you knew where to go like that's what I mean like you had like places that you could go to in different places that you knew you could drink at you know whether it was a hotel bar or some hole in the wall in some random town like so yeah, how long so did you how long did you do that for? Um a little over a year because <clears throat> after I turned twenty one, my grandma got me flight tickets to go to Ireland with her and my mom. And uh we have a lot of family over there and the trip was gonna be for a month and I knew I couldn't get off for a month, so I just quit to go to Ireland. That makes sense. You, you see your sisters and brethren over there in in Ireland and drink for a month. Oh, yeah. I did that, all that, I'm sure yeah. that was on your mind a little bit, like, yeah. of how much drinking you can do over there in the pubs. How 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 was that trip? Was oh. it worth was it worth quitting over? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, my memory sucks. So I don't have, like, great no, memories yeah. of it, but. You know, I had a lot of cousins that were around my age. We went to, we did a lot of drinking. Even my great uncle, he was like in his seventies and he was a heavy drinker. Like it was just drinking all the time, nonstop. And at this point now your mom's seen you drink, but it's not a bad thing because you're 21 and you're in Ireland. And so now it's almost being accepted that you're, you're drinking. Correct. And my mom drinks. She's not, she's not like an alcoholic. No. Yeah. Um, she can 
she's like me that when we do start drinking we don't stop binge drinkers yeah yeah and um yeah so we had a lot of fun together so when you get back now you're just looking for a new job or um what did i do when i got back i think that's when i started working for toyota okay um, I, now, considered, I considered enrolling in some sort of military for a but, little bit, but I wasn't in shape, <laughs> and so I was like, no, and I ended up working for Toyota. Okay, so while you're working there, the drinking still, it has to be, uh, uh, but you're not, but you're not going to drugs or anything, you're just one of those, like, you know, daily heavy drinkers. Well, I had, like, experimented with drugs in college, and, um, like, at one point, we're at a party, and, you know, we were drinking, and then it turned into smoking weed, and then the guy had opium, and then uh, black tar, which I found out later. (laughs) It's heroin. Yeah. Yeah. I was the type that if something was handed to me, I took it, um, mainly because I'm so socially awkward and shy. I didn't want to be like the person that was like, what's that? It seems stupid. So I would just take whatever and then look it up later. Yeah, I was going to say, we couldn't like just grab our phones out and Google things back then. No, I did have an iPhone, though. I was like one of the first people with an iPhone, so I was pretty fancy, but... Yeah, but those iPhones in 2008, 2009, <laughs> like, yeah. those original iPhones, compared to, like, I think iPhone really started hitting their stride around iPhone 3. Yeah. Um, you know, I worked at Best Buy for a decade, and mm-hmm. during my addiction and stuff, I remember I sold the original iPod. You know what I mean? Yeah. When I was working at Best Buy, the iPod Nanos, all that shit. <laughs> when iPhones came out, I was working there. And I remember, like, it wasn't until, like, 2010 to where iPhones were finally at the, like, standard of, like, quickly searching shit, quickly doing pictures and social media. And it wasn't, like, confusing, like, an Android. And that wasn't until, like, 2010, I think. That's when I was, like, comfortable, like, all right, now I'll get an iPhone. I think it was, like, the 3S. <clears throat> but, yeah, yeah I, I remember the original round ones, how they were round. Remember? I don't remember it being round. I just remember I got it. I graduated high school in 2007, and my biological dad's gift to me was an iPhone. And I remember being in college and everyone thinking, like, I was a rich kid because, like, <laughs> no one had them. And, like, being at parties and being like, oh, I can add you to Facebook. Yeah, like, I'll add you right now. Yeah. yeah that makes sense. Um, so, okay, so you're my age, and you're kind of. You're two years younger. I was 2005. So, oh. like, that's that, that makes sense. But, yeah, the, the phones, that really made a big difference. Once you could, like, you know, look up something on your phone, you know. I think it was, like, 2012 when I started, like, Googling, like, pill identifications all the time you know i would be like circle blue what's this inscription what is what am i about to put what am i going to put in my nose today yeah and uh and and we were talking about that earlier in our a meeting um how old timers they don't know that you know they the old timers that have been sober for 30 years they don't know the struggle of how much the phone plays into addictions and how it ties to our addiction to drugs too so when do you meet this um, guy that you got had a kid with? 
Um, while I was working at Toyota, I was dating his friend, his best friend, actually. And honestly, I was really only dating him. I mean, we were smoking a lot of weed. Um, they were huge potheads. And I was dating him mainly because of my parents' rule of if I <laughs> stay out past my curfew, I couldn't go home. And I just stayed at his house all the time. So. I got you. Yeah. I felt. Yeah, it wasn't my. Uh, you weren't attracted to him. You were attracted to the situation of being able to get drunk and have somewhere to crash. Correct. Yeah. I get it. I, um, I, How I Met Your Mother does a talk. <laughs> talks yeah. about that in one of the episodes i don't know if you watch it but one of the oh episodes. yeah i did i just rewatched the whole season actually just <laughs> banging banging for ruth with the sexless innkeeper yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i remember that episode yeah. whenever someone tells me like you're not the first person it makes you feel any better you are not the first person on this show to tell me a story like that but you yeah. are the first one to understand my reference of banging for roof and the sexist thing <laughs> <laughs> so I, appreci- I win? yes i appreciate that you win the prize of you know watching a lot of tv enough to watch shows over and over again like i do yeah well i just I, I hate watching new shows now because i barely have an attention span to do it because of tiktok i'm always on fucking tiktok so and like, I, I get don't really it. Yeah. Pay attention. So I watch shows I've already seen. Yep. And we're gonna talk about your TikTok too in a in a couple minutes because I I totally get that though because I'll get home. I'm here 12 hours a day at my studio. You know, between running AA and A and doing these meetings. You know, like these interviews or editing or promoting new episodes. So like, I'm here a lot. And then I get home. And my wife and I we get in bed at like as soon as our kids in bed. You know, showered in bed by 8:30 we're in bed you know not 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 to sleep but to just unwind and most of the time you know she'll hand me the remote and i'll say do you want to zone out or do you want to pay attention that's like and five out of seven days a week it's i want to zone out i need to zone out right now and we both feel the same we'll put on like bob's burgers the office parks and rec something that we've seen a hundred times yeah. As background noise that we can watch if we want to watch or we can look at our phones or talk to each other. But I totally like my dad would be like, oh, watch this new show or watch that new show. Watch this. new." Show. I'm like, dad, I don't I, I'm going to. I just I can't right now. Like my <laughs> head is not I can't accept any new information right now yeah. when yeah. it comes to entertainment. I can't even like listen to new podcasts. <laughs> it's just been I too much. <laughs> and, yeah. it's, and that's and it's OK to know your limits. And not to try to like do too much for yourself too. So now you're dating this dude, but you really like his friend. Yeah, yeah, because he's hanging out with us every day. I mean, like I said, they were all potheads. Some of them were selling, and well, yeah. they were all getting high and drunk together like every day and hanging out. And yeah, I ended up liking his friend and his friend liked me, which was a whole big drama. They're not friends anymore. I feel bad. I was gonna <laughs> say. Yeah, they were best friends, and, like, when I broke up with that guy, he became very, like, he said suicidal, like, you know, posting those really, like, cringe things on Facebook, like, dark stuff, (laughs) which I laugh at, and I probably shouldn't, because I'm- No, you can. No, but you can, because it's not your fault. Yeah. It is not, you can't, we, and I say you, but we, as people, cannot have to- I shouldn't have to feel like bad because you don't like that I'm being honest with you. Yeah. 
he should be happy that you were honest with him and didn't lead him on more and marry him and have kids with him just to have a fucking roof. You know, you did him a favor, yeah. you know? So, but you, you can't, it's hard for that person to understand that in that moment, especially in your twenties, Yeah, you know, we're, yeah. we're fragile fucking boys still in our twenties. You know, we can't handle shit. We barely still can in our thirties. I was about to say, I barely can now. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason I can somewhat handle shit is because I'm sober, honestly. Yeah. If I was getting drunk or getting high still, I wouldn't be able to process the daily things that come into my life anymore. Oh, and I, 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 I now I remember why I was so close to suicide so much, inactive addiction, because I couldn't understand shit, right? And when we can't yeah. understand something, we fear it. So when we're fearing things, we're const- when we don't understand things, we're constantly in fear. And we want to run from that fear. I, I moved 30 times. I was running from fear, like state to state, like North Carolina, Massachusetts, PA, Jersey, Cali, kept fucking leaving. You know, we run from fear. Um, now we can run into fear because we're more clear headed. You know, fear doesn't have to be a bad thing for us. Fear used to drive us away. Now, if we go into fear, we see it's not that bad and we're not afraid of it anymore. It's like you ever see Home Alone? Everyone's seen Home Alone. Yeah, but, like, fucking years ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Home Alone, you know, in the beginning, he's afraid to go into the basement where the washer and dryer and the furnace is. Yeah. You know, but it's only just a washer and dryer. Just he didn't know what was going to happen when he went down there by himself. And that's what the real fear was, was the unknown of what could happen. Yeah. But once you actually face that fear and you see it's not that bad, then it's a lot easier to face each time. So, you know. People get through shit. That guy got through it, I'm sure, eventually. You know, it is what it is. Oh, it's actually up until, I think, like, God, a year ago. So I'm 32, so I dated him, like, 10-plus years ago. He had on his Facebook as his favorite quote my tattoo that says, laugh as long as you breathe. Uh, No, laugh as long as, no, laugh as long as you breathe. (laughs) Love as long as you live. And he had that as his favorite quote. And then beside it, it says, as long as it's not a tramp stamp, because it goes behind my lower back. So I took him a while. <laughs> you had that quote across your back and uh, like as a tramp stamp. And he wrote that, like specifically called you out. Yeah. Without, like without, calling, without saying your name, but basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as his favorite quote, and he said, as long as it's not a tramp stamp. That's kind of funny. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of funny. I mean, I felt pretty honored. I was like, man. <laughs> you guys are stuck in his head that long. Yeah. Um, so, and if, and if you're watching this, you know, we're sorry. Yes. Yeah. I think now he's dating someone, so I think all is good. Yeah. You know, that's good. And I'm yeah. happy for him. And I'm hoping that, you know, things get things do get lighter. And it just we put so much pressure on ourselves in our 20s. Our mm-hmm. 20s are filled with all this fucking societal pressure of, oh, my God, when am I going to get married? When am I going to have kids? When am I going to do this for my family or this for that person? This person says this. This person's doing that. And then, you know, on top of we're still trying to figure out what I want to be when I would grow up, like you said. And we're trying to figure out, you know, who I am as a person, who I want to be as a person, not who my friends are and who my own person, my own identity is. And then sometimes we get caught up in shit. You know, we're we're afraid of who we are and we like to hide in it with drinking and drugging. Yeah. And that's, you know, what I did. And it sounds like how soon after you and this fellow broke up that you and the besties started dating. 
Well, see, that was the bad part is like we started dating while you were still kind of we started talking and like pretty much like, okay, we're going to date and then trying to figure out how to tell him type of thing. So and it it didn't go over well. No, he he didn't send a basket when you guys had a kid. No, (laughs) no. And like basically that whole friend group stopped talking to us. That happens. But, okay, so now you guys are off on your own, and now you're dating. Um, and But how soon into dating does he say, hey, Brittany, you have a drinking problem, and I think you should stop? Um, well, not long, because we weren't dating long until I found out I was pregnant. Um, so probably just a few months. Like, I would be drinking and getting high. When you said he's crazy, do you mean controlling? Oh, yeah, he was. Okay, I could tell already just because for a guy to only ask within a couple months, ask his girlfriend to quit drinking for him, girlfriend, not fiance or wife. Yeah. And to say, and it's not like you had DUIs in that time. You know what I mean? It's not, if you had a bunch of DUIs and a bunch of arrests, then yeah, you could be like, look, you look at all this. But yeah. somebody who just wants to control a situation or a person is going to tell that person pretty quickly within a couple months of, hey, you should do this. And like you said, you're impressionable, so you did. Yeah. And it was a good thing. It was a good thing for you. I'm glad he did, you know, because you honestly probably wouldn't have got pregnant if you weren't that healthy, you know. Mm-hmm. Or, like I said, it would have been really hard with, you know, coming. Was it a bad detox, Quentin? Um, not that I remember, no. Um mentally though yeah i i don't remember it being that bad to be honest um but that was so long ago and you Uh, had support too like he was being supportive right yeah so that's the difference is you can feel good about get like i think if you were to quit drinking for somebody like you did and and resent it then it would make it a lot worse yeah. But if you weren't impressionable like you were, then you were just like, yeah, this is what's great for me. So right. since you had that mindset, I think is why it worked. So then you get you have the kid eventually. Was it? Uh, I was going to say, and also, you know, we were just so new into the relationship. So it was still like the butterflies. and the, Oh, I yeah. love you. This is so great. <laughs> <laughs> so how old is your kid now? He's nine. Nine. Okay, so this was nine years ago that you had him. Um, how soon after having him? Because, like I said, you didn't quit drinking for pregnancy. So, how soon after having him were you like, "I'm going to need a drink"? Uh, I would think it. I'd say probably around a month. He started. He stopped breathing one night when he was just a few weeks old. Um, turned out he had acid reflux problems, but for, he stopped breathing. He turned blue, the whole, and like, you know, the, the feeding tube, didn't he get a feeding tube? No, the ambulance came and they like found out it was just, uh, what did I just say? Acid reflux. Thank you. So it wasn't that serious, thank God. And, um. He ended up being on medicine for it for a while, but he didn't need a feeding tube or anything like that. But after that, it's, that's when I started smoking again, because I used to be a cigarette smoker. And um, 
I started smoking again. And then like, I think a week after that, his dad and I had like a date night and we had champagne and stuff. And that's when the drinking started again. I can see that, you know, and then, and like you said, you're a binge drinker. So once you opened it again, yeah, it was, it yeah, it wasn't just a night of champagne. Yeah. And what did that end eventually lead to? Oh, just drinking all the time. Um, How long were you guys together after that? Until my son was about a year old, but we weren't happy. Um, We just were kind of together because we had a kid. Um, During that time, I started going to pastry school. Okay. And I did end up graduating from that and getting my pastry degree. Um, But during that time, I was heavily drinking, and one night I had a bunch of people from the school over to drink, and his, my baby daddy and I got in a fight, and I ended up slapping him while he was holding my son, and he called 911 on me, and I ended up going to jail that night. Just for the night? Correct. I got bailed out the next day. And that's the, that's the first time you got in trouble then? No, I had actually gotten sent to jail when I was 18, um, just for the night as well. Um, that was the first time I drank before. So I drank one time before college, and that was um, at a neighbor's house. And my dad caught me, and I slapped my dad. I have a slapping problem, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you slap someone, you get arrested. I know, and... Well, the reason they called 911. You watch Friends over and over again, too, don't you? Yeah, I do. I could tell yeah. just by how you said, I know. <laughs> the, the I know was yeah. exactly how they say it. Did you, I don't know if you noticed this, but all my episode titles are the one with or the one where. Oh, no, I didn't notice. I know that's Yeah, because I'm so obsessed with the show. So whenever I hear someone say, I know, <laughs> I always think of like Monica. <laughs> yeah. Like right away. So, yeah, you have a slapping problem. You get arrested when you slap, whether you're 18 or whether you're, what, 23? Yeah. 23, 24. So you guys have a blowout. You get arrested, and you break up. Yeah, we broke up shortly after that. You go back home to your parents? I did. With a one-year-old? Um, Yeah, but we switched on and off. Yeah, but still, like, hey, mom and dad, I'm home, and here's your grandson, too. Yeah. And they're yeah, like... I- a nine-year-old brother or a 10-year-old yeah. brother? Okay. Brother and sister. Brother and sister. They were uh, adopted, and they're a month apart. Oh, shit. Okay, cool. So you, your parents went from 15-year-old to two babies, basically. Yeah. yeah. And they adopted them. Yeah. They were like, we're going to try this again. <laughs> yeah. Like, my mom tried to get pregnant for a while, and she wasn't able to, so they ended up adopting Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, ah, oh, she's not listening. Let's get some new ones. <laughs> yeah. This one, we, she's broken. <laughs> then the receipt, we can't return her. It's too late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So you go back to mom and dad's. How much does the drinking consist then with a one year old and back at home with two um, other kids running around? That's when you... I became, I realized I had more of a problem because I was drinking alone at home okay, and hiding that's... it. Um, I would, and my issue, like I said, I'm a binge drinker, so I would get like a bottle of Fireball and I'd finish the whole fucking thing. 
Like, and that was almost oh. it. Almost I just, sorry, I just thing. I just tasted the fireball. I like, know, I know. <laughs> just like a whole a whole bottle. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. Whew, I'm so glad those days are behind me where I don't have to taste that shit anymore. <laughs> oh, I know. There's some drinks I would never ever touch again, like Goldschlager and Oh. Oh, what's Bacardi? That? Yeah, Bacardi. Oh, I haven't touched since that night when I took me to the hospital. When yeah, I, I bet. that was almost 20 years ago. That was 19 years ago. Shit. Oh my god. It'll be. Oh, I'm so fucking old. I know. <laughs> uh, I hate doing that kind of math. I know. When I think about it, I'm like, oh, when was I in high school? Oh, my God. No. I, I know. Next year when I turn 36, it'll be that culmination of I've been an adult as long as I was a kid. You know, that moment of like, yeah. oh, man, now this is all my fault. I did this. Yeah. Yeah. You have no one else to blame. <laughs> no. Well, then again, I've been fucking blaming myself since I was a kid. You know, oh, that's yeah. just that was just my nature, you know. Um, all right, so uh, I'm trying to play catch up. We, I like going on rants, don't worry, but I like coming back to the story. No worries, so, I, I've been jumping all around too. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's fine. All right, now you're back home, you have a one year old, um, you're drinking alone. Um, mm-hmm. How long does this go on for? Quite a while, because then I started dating someone that lived in, uh, somewhere in the West. Not yeah, Colorado, that's, that's right. one of those places over there. And so we would FaceTime a lot and drink together, or I would drink without him. Um, that went on. Him and I were dating for like a year and a half. So that went on for quite some time. Um, honestly, it didn't stop until really I stopped drinking. I, I mean, I just started drinking almost every night like that. And so, and this is coming up to like, are you like to like now, like to when you quit? Yeah. So when COVID hit, were you still at your parents? No, I moved out uh, four years ago. Okay. And I got my own apartment. Yeah. So you got your own place and you still split custody with your ex, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you still have your free time, but you were still drinking alone. Correct. And then when COVID hit, my ex lives with his mom who has MS. And, my wife, um, my wife has MS. Yeah, and they were very, you know, very cautious about it, and so I wasn't able to see my son because I was still working. That makes sense. So I mean, we still are cautious about it, you know, because of how MS is. It's so unpredictable. Like yeah. you know, my wife could be feeling great one minute. And then the next minute she has an MS hug hit and she can't move and she's paralyzed for an hour. Yeah, it's a terrible, terrible. You know, I I hate, you know what I mean? Like it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard for a partner too, because you can't, you're so helpless. And I'm such a person that I want to help. Like, I want to help you. I want to help me. I want to help anybody that I can help. And the person that I love the most and that I want to help and I care for the most and can't do anything to, I can't do fucking yeah. shit. All I can do is just be next to her and just say I love you and I'm let me know what you need. You yeah, know, I get that. Though. You want ice cream for dinner? I'll go grab you ice cream from the store and I'll deal with the parking lot and the store. If it means you'll be happy for a minute. You know yeah. that kind of stupid shit. Just because you know, it's so tough. So I understand that. Like we've had to do that with co-parenting too. We co-parent with her ex. Mm-hmm. So we have a seven-year-old, and he goes to his dad's on the weekends, 
and his dad brought COVID home. His oh, dad wanted to go to a winery. You know, she just got diagnosed with MS in August. So she didn't have MS during the big part of COVID, luckily. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his dad brought COVID back. So like, you know, what we see him all the time and we're always interacting, you know, even him, you know, him and I became friends. I'm always hitting him up and she barely even has to even talk to him <laughs> when it comes to like texting. I'll text him for her. like, hey, you know, I'm starting a new job soon. I need help with pickups from school and drop offs from school because, you know, yeah. she can't do it and I can't do it. So I need help. You know, and I'm hitting him up for that, not her, yeah. because this, I can have a conversation with the dude. We get along. I didn't date him. I didn't have a kid. <laughs> it wasn't our relationship. Yeah, I wanna, there's I just no make heartbreak sure, anywhere. No, I just want to make sure the seven-year-old's happy, you know, yeah. and he gets really upset if he's been away from us because sometimes she's too sick and he has to stay there longer. And, you know, they don't understand the kids. But, you know, luckily there's FaceTime and shit, and I'm sure you utilize that during COVID. But yeah. like you said, you are now you're alone alone. Yeah. There's a total difference of being the mom that has to be able to drive for an emergency just in case I can't get too drunk in case I got to take this kid to the hospital. Yeah. But now when you're home alone and with, COVID's going on. With no responsibilities, pretty much. How hard did you go? Um, <laughs> Apollo's like hard as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Like, we don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Paulo, um, just like, I'm just happy she's better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would get um, a 12 case of beer every night and drink that. And sometimes if it was on sale, I'd get a 24 case and I would drink that whole case. I had to stop buying liquor because I would drink the whole bottle, the bottle. of liquor. Yeah. I'm not going to have this much left for tomorrow. Yeah. And I was still working, so I was trying not to drink that much. But, yeah, and I started dating someone right before COVID started, and he was sober. Um, like, sober, sober, like, meeting sober? Like, he was, like, active in his sobriety sober? Yeah, like, he <sighs> almost died from drinking, so he wasn't drinking at all. And how did that influence your drinking during COVID? Oh, for the beginning, before COVID started, you know, I was doing my whole impressionable thing where I wouldn't drink around him or I wouldn't let him know I was drinking. Like, I'd go over there after drinking, but, you know, brush my teeth a million times and try not to act too drunk. And then after a while, once I got used to him and he started staying over at my house a lot, I was like, whatever, I'm drinking. <laughs> And at that point, you know, as somebody, as you know, in sobriety, you can't even, you're not supposed to do what your ex did and tell you to stop. Yeah. You know, you're, I'm, you know, if that was me, you know, and that was me where I was dating my wife, I was sober and she was still drinking. Yeah. So she was an um, active alcoholic before we met. Um, in her last relationship, she drank really heavily and then she quit. No, she calmed down a lot when we met. And I was really heavy in my sobriety when we met. <clears throat> I met her at 11 months sober. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, I was really regimented with my program. And, you know, so she wasn't drinking that much. And then when I relapsed, it wasn't with her. It was by myself. And mm -hmm. it was, I got a six-pack of Twisted Tea. And, you know, I drank four of them. And it was because I was so, I had a problem with AA in where I was living. Just the one group. 
And because of their resentments, I'm dumb and I went and drank over it. So, you know, I have responsibility for that. But I was like, you know, so indoctrinated with AA that that nine months where I did drink, I didn't finish a bottle, like a liquor bottle. And I didn't get any hangovers until I did. Until I did. Because it eventually happened where I drank a whole bottle of Jack. And then I woke up on leap day, February 29th, hungover. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm not supposed to be hungover. That wasn't the point of this. Leap day is a fucking awesome sober date. So, boom, <laughs> I'm not drinking anymore. And then my wife quit with me. And then and then quarantine happened two weeks later. Oh, <laughs> That's just how it fucking works. You know, and we're like, all right, well, we use cannabis. You know, I don't smoke it. That was one of the things I changed is I just use little capsules and I take it with my blood pressure medicine, and you wouldn't even know that I'm on it because I don't like get all. Oh, hey man, like that's yeah. not. How... Um, and my wife smokes because she needs it immediate relief with MS, as you know. Yeah. Um, she needs that immediate relief, so that's been really helpful for her to have that. Luckily, oh, so yeah. now, when is are what? How should I word this? You're dating a sober dude. Are you getting impressionable at all? Like to be sober curious? Like, is he going um, to me- is he going out to meetings or he going no, on Zoom yeah. meetings or anything to like? No. So he wasn't doing any meetings or anything like that. And also, he was on different medications for anxiety. And so we started using snorting. I don't remember what it was. So we were snorting whatever shit he was on. And so he wasn't like sober, sober. He was sober from drinking. And then we probably like Adivan. That doesn't sound familiar. Okay, there's Adivan and well, Xanax was is the most popular to give for anxiety. Correct, but I don't think I don't remember what it was. What and color was it? What color was it? Shit, yellow, I think. Okay, okay, it's probably. Not. But either way, it's probably some whatever. So either way, you're snorting pills now. Yes. Either way, then, you graduated. You're snorting pills now. Correct. And then he would get that stuff from, I'm sorry, my memory's so no, stupid. No, it's fine. From um, tobacco shop, not... Kratom? Kratom, yes. So we did a lot of Kratom, like, all the time, and, like, we weren't sleeping at all, and it, it was a bad situation, and I will never fucking touch Kratom because I can still smell it. Like yeah, that dude was that dude was sober like I was sober. Like yeah. I, I quit drinking November six months before my recovery originally in two thousand eight in November two thousand seventeen I quit drinking because it literally was hurting my liver to drink and do the amount of pills that I was doing. Yeah. And I chose pills over alcohol. So I told everybody, Yeah, I'm sober, I quit drinking, but really I'm still snorting eight to ten thirties a day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm sober. You know, I'm just not drinking. I'm alcohol free, you know, that's what I'll call it now. So yeah, you're getting high with this dude. Yeah, you're doing Kratom with this dude. Um, do you get arrested at all or anything like fucking no. ridiculous? Okay, so what was it that this past May you're you like what what's your sober date again? May twenty third. May twenty third. So what happened May twenty second? So him me and that guy broke up. I broke okay. up with him. Um, and then I started dating another guy who was going to meetings and everything and relapsed. 
and I started joining him, and we got into fentanyl. Um, Damn, was, Brittany, you I, you are impressionable as fuck. I am very, I like, am very impressed. To go from like, oh, I'm a drinker, I'm a drinker, I'm a drinker, I'm a drinker, and then it's like opium. I'm a drinker. I'm a drinker. I'm a drinker. Black tar. Yeah. I'm a drinker. I'm a drinker. Oh, here's some yellow pills. I'll snort. Yeah. I'm a drinker. Gas station stuff. <laughs> That's what you called it. Gas yeah. station stuff. I'll do it for months. You're like, yeah. yeah, you're definitely okay. So you meet this dude. He's on a relapse. And when you go out on a fucking relapse from going to meetings, you're like, I, this is why I don't like counting days is because guys like him, what happens, right? Is I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's we relapsed. Our say drinking was our wasn't even our problem. You know, like when I relapsed um, with drinking, I had it in my head. This is what saved me from doing pills. Like, I don't need to go extreme. Everybody, when they leave AA and they relapse, they think they're going to go back into AA and they're going to start counting days again. And so I have to get as fucked up as possible while I am on a day zero. This way, when I'm on day three, I can at least say I enjoyed day zero. And then they go all out. And, you know, I had a guy on here um, talk about he had reservations. He had six years sober from Coke and drinking in 87 to 93. He went six years. But he always had a reservation whenever you hear people talk about heroin, how he never tried heroin. So when he relapsed with drinking, guess what he was snorting within a month? And then guess what? He snorted every day for three years before he went back into the program again. And it was all because of that reservation of what happens on a relapse when you leave meetings is I got to go fucking crazy now. I'm on on day zero again. I hate that shit. That happens. And that's how people die is because they think they have to do that before they go back into counting days again. When I see somebody slip, I say, hey, call it a slip. And in 10 years, you'll laugh at that one time you drank over you know what i mean as opposed yeah. to even in aa means i say just tell you let's talk about this i don't want you to get in your head because people get in their heads and dangerous shit happens yeah okay so may 22nd you're dating this dude that is on a fucking on a relapse and so he's on his relapse and he introduced you to fentanyl are you snorting it yeah so is it depressed 30s yes okay now did you overdose I did. So he moved in with me in January um, because his roommates kicked him out because he relapsed. uh, Yeah. And um, we were just doing fentanyl every day and coke when we could get it. And I was drinking and he wasn't drinking. For some reason, every guy I date doesn't drink. That's their big thing. Where was and your kid at? He's still with his dad because they're still quarantining because of COVID. And now, you know, COVID started to cool off a little bit. So I'm seeing him now and then, but I, now I'm just becoming a shitty mom. Like, I... Because I, now I you're on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was hooked, and I knew I couldn't see my son in these conditions. And I couldn't bring my son over to my apartment where I have a man he doesn't know living with me. And we're yeah. doing drugs. So, Apollo, please stop. 
That's okay. Any of my viewers or listeners that are upset about hearing that noise, then they don't have dogs. They don't understand me anyway, (laughs) because I know that noise all too well, and it doesn't bother me. (laughs) It's like something. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, because before and now, and your your ex, he would have seen that shit on your face too. Yeah. He would have seen that like you're not just drinking anymore, Brittany. Like there's something else you're doing because like you're getting high with kratom. And like snorting other pills at this point, and then eventually fentanyl. So, yeah. So let's get to May. What happens? So May twenty first is my son's birthday. Um, now this all has been told to me because I don't have memory of this. So May twenty first, I go over to his dad's house and we celebrate my son's birthday. Um, and apparently after that, I went and copped and went home to my boyfriend and we started doing fentanyl and we had coke at the time and uh that whole week they told me i was very sick like i went to the doctors too because i couldn't keep anything down i wasn't eating i was throwing up and may 22nd so that night the morning after my son's birthday is when i overdosed um apparently I was in the bathroom with my boyfriend and I was like oh I can do one more line I'm fine and I ended up throwing up but then he said I just passed out like just fell and um he called 911 he started performing CPR on me ambulance comes I apparently stopped breathing for about 30 minutes in the ambulance and when I get to the hospital, they put me into a coma. And in this coma, they tell my family that I have a 9% chance of living and only a 3% chance of not being brain dead if I do survive. So my family is losing it. Only my mom kind of knew I was using because I had done some uh, withdrawals with her. And she thought I was off though, you know, she thought I was off of it. And none of my other family had any idea. Um, And now they're being told that I'm basically gonna die. Or be a vegetable. Yeah. And um, I don't know, somehow I defied all odds. I was about to get a heart stent put in and like right at the last minute I didn't need it anymore. Um, I woke up from the coma four days later, unaware of who the hell I was. They told me I was acting like I was 13. I didn't, I was saying shit like my dad is in prison. He's not, I was telling them weird jobs, like just, you know, not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like almost as if you just woke up from a four day coma. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, they were still worried that, okay, she's alive, but she's not really here. She doesn't know what's going on. Um, I was in the hospital for 10 days, and um, I got home. I lived with my mom for a month after that because everyone was too afraid to have me go home alone. Did your boyfriend leave? Yes, so his parents came in, got him while I was in the hospital, and moved him back to North Carolina with them. 
for okay. him to go to rehabs and stuff. So he's been sober now too. Good. Okay. So that woke him up then. Yeah. Seeing, seeing you almost die in front of him, you know, because he was on a relapse, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he was on a relapse. So he's already been through a program. He already knew what a program was and what he needed to, he was, was he from North Carolina and in Virginia for rehab and then living in a sober living when he met you? No, he lived in Virginia. His parents just moved down to North Carolina. Okay. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't sure. Sometimes I could see how that happens too, where he would be like in a sober living be like, I relapsed, but I need somewhere to live. Can I stay with you? You know, kind of thing. I can't go back home kind of thing. I lived um, in Durham. North North Carolina was way too hot for me. Yeah, that's where he lives now is Durham. Oh, that's cool. Yep. I, I like the city. I loved the city. I used to, I, in my alcohol, I was a huge alcoholic, um, though. That was, mm-hmm. I was, those bars um, down on Main Street down there or whatever they call their Main Street. Yeah, it was bad news for me. I was walking over there every day and just getting fucking hammered. Um, but so this was a huge wake up call for you. Now we're getting to this year because I want to ask you about your TikTok. Is that when you created your TikTok or have you always been like making videos there? No. So he's the one that introduced me to TikTok. So my first like five or six TikToks are with him and we're high in them. Um, and I wasn't really into it. I didn't understand it. Uh, like what's people's obsession with it? Didn't get it. Did a few with him. Whatever. And then about three months after I got home from the hospitals when I started doing TikToks. Um, the three months after I got home from the hospital, I was extremely depressed. Like, wishing I had died. Crying all the time. I mean, I basically woke up and my whole life was different. And I have really no memory of why. Like, my boyfriend was gone. We tried to make it work. Obviously, it didn't work. Long distance and stuff. And my family like hates him at this point, and which they shouldn't because he saved your life. Correct. That's he my mom. Liter- my mom came around to that. Okay. Um, yeah. He literally. This is all harm reduction. You know, I yeah. always preach harm reduction. What you guys were doing was literally living harm reduction, where you weren't getting high alone. Yeah. This way, one person was aware enough to call the cops if something happened. And I think that's so important because a lot of people aren't practicing harm reduction. That's why we had 100,000 overdoses. And you could have been one of the 100,000 oh, yeah. in, that, in that one year span that everyone's talking about right now. You oh, know, yeah. We didn't perform CPR or call the cops. Some people are too afraid to call the they're cops. They're afraid to call 911 now. And nowadays... Even people, though there's a law that you can't encourage, Exactly. Yeah. Now it's encouraged. Like, please fucking call somebody. Yeah, we won't You're not, charge you for anything. Yeah. yeah. We just want to save your life. Like and luckily, that's... he knows that. So he yeah. called them and he performed CPR. And so, like, my mom is fine with him. But yeah. my dad, who didn't know about the using and don't use anything. like Yeah, it's hard for people to, to wrap their I, – I think it's hard for a lot of parents to wrap their mind when they're a normie, you know, when they don't need – they don't have that obsession, you know, or that craving like some of us do. And it's hard for them to wrap their mind around how someone can lose themselves in that. Well, my biological dad is a huge drinker. I would say alcoholic, but um, We're not my stepdad, my stepdad, he just kind of is a social drinker. Okay. 
though he doesn't understand it at all. Yeah. My biological dad, even though he's a drinker, doesn't understand drugs at all. What got and, you what got you into telling your story on TikTok though? Um, so for the longest time, so I manage a place and I was really afraid all my employees would know I was super ashamed of it. And I don't know, just one day I just was like, I feel like there's a reason why I'm here. Like there's a reason I survived out of all the people who didn't survive an overdose or drug addiction. And I thought if I told my story, well, no. So one of my employees is going through active addiction right now. And I was trying to help him and, and trying to help him. I told him my story and he was the first person I told my story to. And I felt like this weight had been lifted from me and it felt good. And it didn't feel like something I should be ashamed of. Um, so then I got the idea, like I saw the I could be brown, whatever thing. Brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky. I could be hurtful, I could be purple, I could be anything you like. I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky. I could be hurtful, I could be purple, I could be anything you like. I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky, I could be hurtful, I could be purple, I could be anything you like. I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky, I could be hurtful, I could be purple, I could be anything you like. I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky, I could be hurtful, I could be purple, I could be anything you like. I could be brown, I could be blue, I could be violet sky, I could be hurtful. That trend, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, well, here's a perfect chance for me to tell my story. And I was like, if it reaches one fucking person, it'll be worth it. And it ended up reaching so many people and so many people reaching out telling me their story or people that they lost and telling me how I helped them and how inspirational I was. And it just went from there like I felt so much better like I didn't feel ashamed of it anymore like yeah it was bad it wasn't a good thing that I was using and I overdosed but I changed my life around and it is possible for people going through addiction to do the same thing and so from that I started sharing it even more and I shared the picture of me in a coma which I hate that picture. My mom hates that picture. Of course, when she saw that, she started crying. And I was like, I know, I'm sorry, but it's important that, you know, they see it. Like, yeah, they can see me saying I'm sober and I look fine now, but there was a point I was not fine. Yep. And my mom is my biggest supporter, so she's, like, all about it. So I'm so glad that, like, you're realizing that because it seemed – did you not want to do meetings in AA? I didn't start doing meetings until about three weeks ago, actually. Um, That's I'm amazing. In... That's so fucking cool. I'm, yeah. I, okay. You went on your six months. I went, yeah, right around. three weeks before six months. Yeah. And um, I, I I go to therapy for substance abuse therapy. And okay, good. Um, I do, like, they have phases and stuff. And I do those classes. But... 
I always thought NA was a very uh, religious thing. And I'm not religious whatsoever. I was raised Catholic. It was forced on me. I'm like. That's it. You know, we share that same exact story then. Because yeah. that's if you if you go back to my episode, I'd literally say almost word for word what you said when my when this dude was interviewing me for my story. Mm-hmm. I said I was raised Catholic and I wanted nothing to do with religions at that point because I had such a bad taste in my mouth from growing up Catholic. And so and then someone said to me, well, it's spiritual, not religious. Correct. And I and I said, well, what's the difference? And this is what always stuck with me is he said religions for people who fear hell. And spirituality people who've been to hell. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm in. That that buy, that I buy into. And exactly. Yeah. And like my thing is like I've always identified as agnostic. Like I don't really believe in God, but like I do believe that there could be something. Yeah. And me surviving with such low chance of surviving makes me think that there is a higher power out there. I don't know what it is. I don't fully believe you know it's God, or maybe it is. I don't know. But there is a reason I'm here, and I believe there was a higher power that kept me here. So I went to, like, my first meeting a few weeks ago, and I was like, okay, it's not all religious. Yes, they say God. Yeah, there's but... literally, but there's literally a chapter called We Agnostics. Yeah. In the yeah. book, there's literally a chapter for agnostics. Yeah, <laughs> just like and a higher power. Um, for a long time, mine was the room. Mine was AA. Mine was going to meetings. You know, God was group of drunks. You know, that's what God was group of drunks, and it was just going to meetings all the time. And I went to 250 meetings in 90 days. Wow. Like they say, do 90 and 90. I did 250 because I was so like, I need it, and it yeah. just. But that was the problem. And so my higher power this time is Bill Murray. And mm-hmm. Bill Murray has this way of living his life where it's very zen, where he just wants to exist with other people and just enjoy the moments kind of thing and not and not be the center of attention, but just enjoy the moment he's in while he's in the moment. Yeah. And I, I love that kind of mindset. And since I wanted that kind of mindset, I made it my higher power. So that's that's why I have my man right up there is Jesus in my painting. <laughs> and, you know, just it's that's my way of my, you know, my saying thank you to my higher power all the time. You yeah. don't have to have one today. You don't have to have one. Yes. You know, just you'll find it when you find it. Trust me. Yeah. You know, but uh, going to meetings is really cool. So <clears throat> but you weren't going to meetings initially. So being on TikTok was almost like a meeting for you because yeah. you're getting that you're telling that story and receiving that like dopamine basically of feeling good about getting that out there yeah exactly and like in my mindset honestly for the first four months maybe yeah four months I told myself when I hit six months I'm gonna go back to casually drinking there's no casually drinking for me and the closer I got to six months the more I was like I can do this I can do it for longer than six months. I don't need to go back to drinking. There's no reason for it. Let's see how long I can really do this. Yeah. So then I started going to meetings. And my first meeting I went to, one of the people there came up to me and was like, I see so much sadness in your eyes. And like, just read me like a book. And I started bawling, like crying. And I was hooked. Like these people, these strangers, like like people see me. 
they see yeah. me. Like, I'm not gonna sound, I don't wanna sound cocky, but I, I'm a relatively attractive people's person. So they see me, but they don't really see me. Yeah, but no, no, but they saw you. Yeah. They didn't see what you were presenting. They saw what you were trying to hide. Exactly. Because that's the shit that they see in meetings. That's why I love running meet. That's why I have a fucking meeting center, Brittany. I love meetings. I'm obsessed yeah. with them still. Like I said, that was my higher power originally. It was a group of drunks. But now my meetings are smaller because I want them to be more, like, not intimate, but I love crosstalk. Yeah. I love meetings with crosstalk, but not crosstalk that's, like, degrading, but crosstalk that's productive. I, you know, I don't need people to sit around and raise their hand and introduce themselves every single time. We introduce ourselves once, and then we have a full-on conversation, whether it's two or ten of us, for an hour. Like, just yeah. back and forth, rapid-fire conversation, and I love that shit. Yeah. Um, but you need to have that with smaller groups, like, of ten or less. Um, yeah. And we can do that here. Um, and it's a lot of fun, but that's the kind of thing that, like, keeps me sober, is, like, that kind of, like raw honesty with people and you don't get that kind of raw honesty unless it's like a small group i think correct so like the monday night meeting is a little bit bigger but the one on tuesday was really small and wednesday is pretty small so eventually i started like you know sharing not really my story but just whatever was on my mind and i don't know i just became addicted to them. I can't go every day because of my job, unfortunately. And I like yeah. in-person versus virtual. So I wouldn't be have... able to do virtual either. Yeah. So they only have like one virtual in-person and they're at nighttime. So I'll go tonight, but tomorrow night I have to work. So won't be able to go, but I don't know these people and they hug me, which I'm not a huge hugger. So I'm like, okay, tap on the back. But they hug me and they tell me they love me and like, I don't know, it's just this family. And then they share whatever's on their mind and it's so relatable. You have a sponsor yet? No, I do not have a sponsor yet. I'm taking my time doing that. But some of them are like, you need to get a sponsor because if you don't have a sponsor, you're sponsoring yourself. <laughs> They're right. You know, that's, but that's what, that's the thing that we say. But like, I, I know I hesitated for a couple months getting a sponsor uh well no it wasn't a couple months so it was more like three weeks yeah it was like three weeks as soon as i had like um i had like this big epiphany you know where i knew i was definitely doing the right thing you know i just had like this like you know we call them god shots you know whatever you know those kind of moments and i was like okay i need to get really more serious about this and i got i was like all right i like you i like what you have teach me yeah. You know, and that's, you know, your rock bottom, in my opinion, um, your rock bottom wasn't your coma. Your rock bottom was walking into your first meeting and saying, I need help and yeah. and crying to that stranger that read you like a book. That's your rock bottom. Yeah, that that is you saying, you know, I don't know how to do this anymore and I need help because I don't want to drink. Yeah. So just because you weren't using drugs, you know, but I would say your real rock bottom is when you actually ask for help, because it isn't until you ask for help that you can actually start climbing out from being at that rock bottom. Yeah. You're still stuck because you don't know how to get the fuck out. All you know is I can't go down any further if I don't use drugs or drugs. So you won't keep going further down the well. You won't keep falling, you know, because you stop that. 
but you're not going to be able to get out of the well until you actually ask for somebody to reach down their hand to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So you might not even you'll you're you'll notice that too once you even start doing step work. Doing step work was the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. I've actually helped people do their steps that aren't even addicts, mm-hmm. that aren't even alcoholics. They are just people that were trying to work out shit like trauma in their life. Yeah. You know, I helped somebody with a from a traumatic brain injury, a TBI. And she had a lot of trauma from it. And we worked the steps and it gave her such a big enlightenment. Her and her boyfriend moved to Massachusetts and started a new life together. And they're happy as can be. My wife literally just heard from her today and how happy they're doing. So like, and she did the steps, not an alcoholic, not an addict, just somebody that wanted to improve her life. Yeah. So that's the cool thing about doing the steps is people like, oh, you only addicts and alcoholics have to do them. It's like, no, whatever makes you. Yeah. So you'll notice that too. And it's going to show in your TikToks. Like you're going to see your content, like being a way of really focused on helping too and trying to reach and resonate with people. Yeah. So, you know, I look forward to that because you're still making videos all the time. Oh yeah. Like five or six a day. And (laughs) a lot of them aren't about sobriety. Now I've become really into transitions, but, (laughs) um, have just, you where do you where do you make your transitions right here on, no 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 on tiktok oh. though yeah okay um because i you can also well do you have a, a computer i do you have a macbook i have yeah okay so you have imovie on your macbook oh do you, i yeah and it's for and it's free and like, <laughs> yeah, like you can do a lot of cool transitions, not on the iMovie on your iPhone. You can only do basic transitions on there, um, but you can do really cool fucking transitions um, that are like, you know, that you're really going to like, like mosaics and all that kind of stuff where you can do things with before and afters with the transition that will look really fucking cool. Um, but it's all in iMovie and it's so easy to use. And if you have questions, just let me know. Cause like I do them literally all the time. Like my opening sequence was four transitions within one. I had to do it here and then do another video and then kind of combine them and then make those into transitions themselves. Cause I made them both cube around and then I had them do like this big other like circular cube. So like you can do transitions within transitions to really like make the content look cool. And then take that video and put it on TikTok. Oh, okay. Because that's all my stuff is pre-edited on iMovie and then just dropped in TikTok and Instagram. And I don't even use their editor anymore. I just do it all on iMovie. So you can really have fun with it there with the different transitions too. So check that out just for your con, just being creative. I know how fun it is to mess with that stuff. Yeah. So I think you'll find some enjoyment with some of the cool transitions they have to offer there. But it's been awesome getting to know you. You too. And I am so glad that you're doing what you're doing. And I'll be honest, when you said like three months and how depressed you are, I'm like, oh, I hope she hit a meeting. I hope she tells me she hit a meeting. <laughs> and you hit a meeting. Yes. And you love it. And that makes me so happy because that is exactly what you needed to do in that moment is is hit a meeting. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm probably happier than I've 
ever been in my whole life. I mean, I am on antidepressants and I think I found like the right balance for me. Perfect. Which like right after Thanksgiving, I ran out and I withdrew from my antidepressants. <laughs> that was bad. That was yeah. really bad. I was like, my mom called me. She's like, are you okay? And then all of a sudden like, no. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> no, <laughs> I do have another question actually though is, so since you're still new going to meetings, and I, I know how that feeling is of your first like month going to meetings, you're just sharing about your day, right? You're you're talking about whatever the subject is and how it affects you. You're not the spot. You don't want to talk. You're not like share. Is this the first time you've like told your story in long form like this? Ah uh, yes. Um, so I told like a very short snippet of it to like the people after the meeting. And yeah. like I showed them my TikTok and one of them was like, girl, you're a fucking rock star doing that. Like, oh, my God. She's like, you're a badass. <laughs> like, she's like, why don't you share this shit in the meetings? And I'm like, well, because usually it's about like topics or something. I don't like, you know, want to be like, oh, this is my story. So like now I've been trying to like kind of integrate it into my sharing, like not just do a whole like this is my story, but like kind of like if I'm sharing about something try to like is there any speaker meetings are in your area there are they have a speaker almost every meeting uh, okay I, have, I haven't been asked and I haven't asked to do it yet um it is you, you, you are like, you are allowed to ask oh. you are you are allowed because some people um you because you have some time too it's not like you're you're just new to AA but you're not new to just like away from the drinks and the drugs it's still six seven months for you you know what i mean yeah um so you still have some time under your belt and you have a fucking story to tell yeah. you know you have people to resonate with and so it, the thing is about telling your story and i'm sure you feel it now is it's therapeutic as shit yeah. you were you were nervous to do it beforehand and within 10 15 minutes you felt a lot better and oh, then yeah. by now you're a lot more relaxed and these are all things that I've I've observed just sure, from yeah. talking to you. And yeah. I saw how much more relaxed you got as you went, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, sharing your story is it gets easier to do each time you do it. You almost get a rhythm to the point where you're saying word for word over and over again yeah. <laughs> and you hear yourself like, <laughs> but that's OK, because, you know, I, I get caught up doing this sometimes right and i'm sure you do with tiktok where you put something out and you don't and it flops yeah and you're like fuck no one resonated with that yeah. and i put something out recently and i was like fuck no one that that didn't hit the mark anywhere near i thought and then like at 11 o'clock at night last night some random girl in the uk it's like 4 a.m there messaged me about how she just watched my new episode and how she's never resonated with anything more about her drinking and how she's two days detox and she's going to keep on watching episodes and try not to drink. That's awesome. Yeah. That's why I do it right there. Like, it's not yeah. for the millions I want to watch, but like yeah. that kind of message, right? I told her, I said, thank you. Now you keep me going doing this other year now, just knowing that I'm helping people like that, you yeah. know, that, for you to like actually find me on Instagram and then add me and like to message me that like, that means everything. Like that's fucking yeah, awesome. Absolutely. That's like you said, and you get those messages. That's why you keep going. It's easy to read the hateful comments when you get those kind of messages. Yeah. So, 
but keep doing what you're doing. I, I really appreciate you coming on and telling your story, story well, this way. Thank you for asking me. I feel honored. I was so excited. I told everyone, I was like, someone wants me on their podcast. <laughs> well, well, yeah. And like I said, it's so funny because like, I didn't know any of your story. I tried not to know. I didn't know you were in a coma or overdosed or what mm-hmm. your drug of choice is. Whenever I ask somebody, it's, I always find different ways to connect with them before I ask them. And it's not about um, how many, because I've had people on here that don't even have social media. Yeah. You know, and they've been on my show multiple times and don't have any social medias to share this. And it's not because it's not about that. Um, it's more or less like find ways that make you stick out to me. For you, it was your name. Like I told you, like I used to get high with a girl that has the same first and last name yeah. as you and the same spelling. Yeah. So it was like, oh, my God, hey, we should be yeah. friends. You should do my podcast because I like your name because it reminds me of an old friend. Mm-hmm. you know and so it's just random shit like that and then i'll just find ways to i i like going into these blind and seriously just getting to know somebody and organically just having these questions to ask you yeah and it's like it's funny because i have over 99 plus notifications in my inbox and i just stopped reading them because most of them were just from guys you know being guys and it got too overwhelming because that was when I was going getting a lot of friends. So would every time I got new friends too, it would add them and like the list just got longer. So it was just by chance I happened to open yours. Like I don't open DMs that often. And I'm glad yeah. I did. Yeah, me too. Maybe maybe it was a name that stuck out. <laughs> I think it was just that you were at the top of the list when I happened to look in my inbox which I usually try to get the ones at the top of my list versus scrolling all the way down. Yeah. And by the way, if anyone's reading this that I haven't answered in my inbox or watching Watch. this, that I haven't answered in my inbox. It's not personal. It's just all the way down. And, I'm too lazy. <laughs> and then the next time you log on, it's all the way down. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, thank you again. I really appreciate it. If you ever want to come on again and talk more, you're always welcome because I had a fun talking to you. We can yeah. obviously have a conversation. Um, but, um, I'm going to take, I'm going to stop recording.